It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Monday morning to you. Even though there are those of you out there that say, what's so good about it? Monday in late January, when you have a little bit of freezing spittle on us, a little frozen precip, just, just a tiny little bit of freezing rain, which has the potential to be even more than that. We'll all hope for the best. But I wish you a good morning, nevertheless, and welcome you to Light the Tower here on the Horn, 1049. 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howell will be along shortly. Our producer, the pride of. What are you the pride of, Cameron Parker? That's a good where, question. Where are you originally from? Charlotte, North Carolina. That's right, because your phone still has the 704 area code. Yes, sir. And the uh, ooh, that just kind of went away there. Uh, and your uh, your high school, William Amos Huff High School in Cornelius, North Carolina. Cornelius, just north, near Lake Norman, right? Yeah, yeah, not far from Davidson. Yeah, also, yeah. Okay, I, I forgot you're a native North Carolinian like myself. There, I grew up about ninety miles north of where uh, Cam is talking about in the Greensboro area. Uh, but uh, so yeah, you might say he's. The pride of the greater Charlotte, uh, Mecklenburg County. Were you in Mecklenburg County or just across the county? Oh, line? yeah, Mecklenburg County. Yeah, 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 okay. All right. There you go. Uh, the, the pride of Northwest Williamson County is is uh, settling in even as we speak. So what, so what we have this morning is uh, you have the pride of Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, and then you have the pride of Northwest Williamson County here, as he settles in, he's also, and uh, I always point this out, even though he, uh, you know, generally disputes it, but he is, uh, you know, the, n- not only the pride of Northwest Williamson County, what is undisputed is that he's a proud graduate of Florence High School. Always. Yeah. Always. Um, uh, you knew him as uh, Highway 79 when he wore the purple and white as an honorable mention all-district offensive lineman for the Florence Buffaloes. But you know him best. Nobody out- needs to remember that. <laughs> for its outstanding work at Horns 24-7, that's Jeff Howe. How you doing? Did you guys see the stop-down moment of yesterday's championship games? Which one? The AFC championship yeah. game, the stop-down moment, the stop. news of the day. Yeah. Everybody had to stop down and, and pay attention when they ran the trailer for Cocaine Bear. Yeah, yeah. You were all about that. Man, All about that. It is full steam ahead, boys, towards Cocaine Bear. For for those who didn't know about that, and we, we hit it on Inconceivable several weeks back <laughs> when the news first came out that a movie was being made based, and that is really stretching it, the <laughs> yeah. word, based on a true story of a bear that got a hold of a, a package, a dropped of cocaine, um... Uh, can't remember if it was out of a vehicle or off a plane. It's off a plane. Yeah. So they the the premise it follows the premise, but the true story is it much ends less... right after the bear eats the cocaine. Yeah. That's where the similarities end, right? <laughs> right? Because in real life, the bear ate all of this cocaine and the bear died. Yeah. Sad. That's not how the movie's going to play it. Yogi's heart gave out, and this one, the movie is going Ooh. to show the bear eating the cocaine and then going. On a, on a cocaine-infused rampage, right? <laughs> yeah. So Jeff's all excited about this. And and then the more I've thought about it, the more I've thought maybe we should kind of do it as a field trip for the three of us. Do you see, do you see my see Twitter it. suggestion? Uh, yeah. The, the, I, I didn't quite understand, but I kind of got a little bit of it. Should, you know, when we're able to, can't do it in the theater, but you know, when we're able to, we should do a, watch, a cocaine bear watch-along with basically, not necessarily play-by-play, play, but 
Craig kind of narrating, describing the action as it unfolds. <laughs> I'd hear people in the movie going, shh, trying to watch the, trying to How watch the, the bear go folks nuts. at Learfield and over, uh, over on the 40 would feel about you doing a, a, a watch, a cocaine bear watch along <laughs> The, the 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 folks on the forty acres are probably like scratched their head and they what? And the folks at Learfield have a good sense of humor. They probably laugh a lot. Here, let me ask you this: Coach on the forty acres most likely to want to come with us to watch Cocaine Bear. Mm. Uh, head coach? Uh, just any 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 coach you think would be likely to want to accompany us to view Cocaine oh, Bear? Oh, Chris Ogden would be into it. I, that I think was I, my first inclination. Yeah, I think Augie yeah. would be on board for that. Uh, like, I don't see David Pierce being much of a, nah, being much into cocaine bear. Don't think so. Don't think so. Uh, and I, I don't think Sark would have time I don't for think it. Sark would be on board. I don't think Rodney would be on board for uh, it probably either. Not. I pro- probably not. But uh, uh, but Mike White strikes me as a guy that might might enjoy yeah, that. He might go for that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think about that. <laughs> I can't see Eddie reset it. See uh, Bernard's Yeti on the Specs text line three three seven three seven seven six says for sure Ogden. Yeah, so yeah. I think we're all on the same. I page don't think uh, Coach Flo. I don't think Edric Floreal would be on. It would be down for it. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't see Bruce Burke being on board <laughs> with it. Uh, Howard Joffe. Yeah, I, yeah, probably most of. Most of the UT coaches would probably. So that all coaches meeting, Augie saying, "Hey, who's coming with me?" And nobody, nobody else stands up. Uh, uh, so I, I just don't. Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be kind uh, of, be kind of difficult. One of the few times you'll be able to see Ray Liotta in a new movie. Yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. Hey, Cam. Uh, by the way, Stoner said, obviously it would be Beard, but alas. Yeah, 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 that's uh, that's unfortunate. I don't think Vic would. Somebody no, asked would, and and I don't think somebody J- said Jared Elliott. Jared would, would be the last coach I would probably yeah, I expect to be yeah. down with Cocaine Bear. Yeah, Cameron, where are you at on Cocaine Bear? You you yay or nay? I think I'm yay. I think yeah. I'm yeah. I did oh, actually yes. spend a lot of time during that second half of the Philly uh, 49ers game actually researching and reading about the true story because that was more entertaining than the there actual game yeah. until yeah. the actual the scuffle at the end when Trent Williams nearly killed a human being. Yeah, but uh, so he said, "Take Coach Schaefer. He's he, his time is so as he explained to us last week. Hadn't even had time really to grill much. So limited. I don't think he would, you know, piecemeal out a couple hours to go. That plus the time to take to drive to the theater. I feel like I'd to have to barter with Vic. Like, look, go see this movie, and then we'll take you fishing." <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Our, our man Jim from Lago Vista says, "Will the twenty-three football schedule be out by tomorrow? Supposed to be February first, and it's not a. Um, I, I've done some more checking into this. Okay. The parameters that are surrounding the release of the Big Twelve schedule are not NCAA infused. Okay, more powerful than the NCAA television. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's because here's the way it was explained to me." If the schedule is out, the contracts become null and void. Big 12 doesn't want to mess around with that. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The, the, so I think in the contract it says by January 31st or February 1st, the schedule has to be out. Otherwise, the contracts expire. That's 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 how it was explained to me. Interesting. So unless they got some sort of – dispensation from the network saying, hey, look, look, we're adding four schools. We got two. They got one foot out the door, but they're not. They Can we kind of just slide it a little? Unless that has happened that we don't know about, Yeah. then, yeah, probably in the next 40, 48 hours, hmm. the thing should be on the table. Okay. And we can certainly hope for that. Uh, a lot to get to on the program. Now, obviously, the AFC and NFC championship games are there for the discussion. Also, coming up bottom of the hour uh, – is this our long notebook, or do you have a separate long? No, no, notebook? no. This is the notebook. Yeah, 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 it's the notebook. Bottom of the hour, John Morris, play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears, joins us. Uh, we'll have a little preview. Speaking of bears, and this is not a cocaine-infused bear; it's a six-game winning streak-infused Baylor Bear basketball team. Maybe a Georgia's chicken fried steak-infused. There you go. Bear. Yeah. There you go. 
Uh, so, uh, or a uh, double R burger. In I knew you were going double R. I Absolutely. go health camp, you go double R. It's... I like them both. There's not really a wrong answer <laughs> there. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, John will join us bottom of the hour uh, for a, a look at this Baylor six-game win streak and how they have flipped the script. And uh, now they're, you know, they're a game back of Texas as the Longhorns are tied with Iowa State and K-State as they all circle back to conference play now, now yeah. that the SEC Big 12 Challenge has been put to bed. You know, Forever, by it, the way. Yeah, everybody in this league, Craig, has gone through that three or four game stretch where things sure. get kind of dicey. I, I just feel like for Texas, they, the Longhorns might be getting to that stretch. It's inevitably going to get everybody in the league. You know who else is is, is hitting it and, and trying to fend it off? TCU. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the Mike Miles injury and then losing in Mississippi State. I mean, you go tough to Kansas. You go He's on the through you it. go on the road to play Tennessee. Come back home to play Baylor, a red hot mm-hmm. Baylor team. Then at least you get a, a, you know the rest of the week off before. By the way, you go to Manhattan on Saturday to play mm-hmm. Kansas, Kansas State, and then wrap it up a week from today with a trip to Allen Fieldhouse. I, I did a lot of thinking about this because in my twenty three years of doing the play by play, and in uh, the uh, whatever. 30, 33 years or 32 years of being on the basketball broadcast, I can never remember, and I went back and looked at it in the media guide, a two-game road trip over a Saturday Monday. And the reason why is, at least for a time, there was a time when the Big 12 Conference and or in conjunction with the television networks were, to borrow Jerry Jones, were sensitive to and relative to the scheduling. Were they being trite? They were being a little trite when they said it, but they were smiling when they said it. That they did not schedule. They were very, very vigilant about if you played a road game on Saturday and you had to play Big Monday, you were back home. And vice versa. If you were at home Saturday and you're due to play a Big Monday game, then you would go on the road. Now, that started to slide a little bit in the last couple of years about teams. Uh, playing Saturday to Monday. It might be two teams that played home games on Saturday and then one of them stayed at home for the big Monday game. However, this particular scheduling setup calls for basically a two-game road trip. And so that's how I guess it can be, I don't know if justified is the right word, but but cataloged, uh, how it can be uh, bracketed into where you play two consecutive games on the road and one of them is a big Monday. Why? Because they're 80 miles apart. And so you play in Manhattan on Saturday afternoon, then bus it 80 miles down the Kansas Turnpike to Lawrence. You're there by, you know, Saturday evening. You have a full practice on Sunday inside Allen Fieldhouse, and then you play Monday night. Mm-hmm. So there's actually less travel involved than if you were to go home and play the game. However, you are playing back-to-back road games against two of the contenders for the conference championship. So, yes, it's a tough slog, no question about it, coming off the game at Tennessee and then, of course, playing Baylor tonight. Uh, The scheduling is much more like what they've done to try to help out West Virginia since West Virginia's been in the league the last 10 years, to give them a couple of those two-game road trips, especially during the semester break portion of conference season in January, so that they don't have to zigzag back and forth mm-hmm. with consecutive four-hour flights. And uh, to I think this, their, their longest road trip is Ames in conference play. So that's it's almost a five-hour flight to, to go to Ames. So with all that in mind, uh, the, the Longhorns have that facing them uh, this week, and uh, the, the the first of this big, grinding, grueling week is tonight when they take on Baylor. So uh, we'll we'll have it for you, 7.30 airtime and an 8 o'clock tip from Moody Center, Texas, and Baylor, Baylor's first trip ever uh, to Moody. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. So, yes, there's that to discuss. Uh, the new college basketball polls are due out this morning. They've not come out yet, have they, Jeff, that no. you've seen? I've not no, seen No, top them. of the hour. Yeah. So we'll look forward to we'll look for uh, those to come out. Um, Texas women's basketball. Did you hear what happened at Moody Center Saturday? Night? Cameron Parker was there, so he was an eyewitness to all of it. Why don't you? Ex- Is this our first kind of malfunction of some type at Moody? There have been like little tiny well, this little is the first gl- major. One. Yes, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, Cam. In the first half, because 
when I, I, I got texts from Roger uh, Wallace, who was filling in for me on the women's broadcast because obviously I was in Knoxville. I was on the plane. We're getting ready to come back, and Roger's explaining some of this to me, that there were some intermittent stoppages in the first half, like a five-minute here, a three-minute mm-hmm. there, stuff like that, right? Two or three of those? Mm-hmm. All, all regarding the shot clock above the Texas basket. So there was one delay that happened in the second quarter. Yeah. I believe they stopped it, happened again. It seemed they got it fixed, and then by the end of the second quarter, it wasn't working at all, and the PA announcer had to manually count down the shot clock to the Texas-Oklahoma State players, but there still was a game clock up above the Oklahoma State basket that was not correct, so it confu- can- it generated a lot of confusion from both coaches, <laughs> both players. So then it so then it gets to halftime, and so this concerted effort, we're going to get this fixed, right? And halftimes are usually 15 minutes. You put 15 on the clock at the half. What, 15? Of course, they couldn't put anything on the clock. It wasn't working, and so this long, long protracted thing uh, was going on. In fact, when I was boarding, uh, I first saw it from Roger when I was on the bus heading back over to the Knoxville airport. Then when I got on the plane, Rob Lazar, who handles a lot of the facility things as well for Texas, was on the men's trip and asked him, did you hear about it? He goes, oh yeah, I'm trying to help him right now uh, on the phone, trying to see if they could get that fixed. And it took 52 minutes, I believe? Yeah, Roger stood about an hour. Jeez. 52 minutes to get it. And then, even after 52 minutes, it wasn't fixed, right? Yes. They, they had temporary, like you would see, Jeff, when your rec center days, scoreboard, little, mm-hmm. little electronic LED scoreboard there mm-hmm. at the scorer's table, right? They had that. They didn't bring in like the old school, like big clock thingy and put it in the corner. It they, was the clock things that you use at IM basketball games at Gregory Gym. Yeah, those ones there in the corner you used to see in the old days of the yeah. NBA. Yeah. So they had those in the corners, okay. and then they had the the small portable score. I saw I saw a shot of uh, a good man, uh, Ryan Yablonski, who uh, works uh, so diligently with the Texas women's team. I saw him carrying it over, and then they got it set up on the table. And they got through it and went through it and played the second half of the game, and uh, Texas turned it up, got a lead. Oklahoma State made a run. Texas kept him an arm's length and ended up winning the basketball game to stay on top of first place in the Big 12 standings in a tie with Iowa State. So, yeah. So, that was the deal. Somebody said no backup shot clock on the floor. Well, yeah, it was – It was, the, the the shot clocks that were on the baskets went out, right? And then it wasn't working also with the scoreboard. So, the main scoreboard above the Jumbotron was working, but whatever they decided to do, they stopped using that okay. actual time. They kept the stats on mm-hmm. the stat monitor, but they didn't use the clock. The only clocks that were being used were in the corner, right. and then they kept the score and the fouls on uh, at the table. At the tables. Yep. Yep. That so were manually is. being used, programmed by Texas team student managers. Right. So, hopefully, that'll all be taken care of tonight. <laughs> And uh, and it'll be it'll be all one can run, yeah. Uh, so it'll all uh, be up for that. Um, so anyway, um, okay. So um, AFC and NFC championship games. Uh, the I understand why folks said you know with with regard to the NFC championship game, it got ugly, and um, you know that that once Brock Purdy went out injured, that was. Uh, pretty much it. I, you know, I got the feeling, even though they had come down and they had tied the score afterwards, uh, the Eagles went back down, marched right back down the field, and and went up fourteen to seven. And then at that point, then you had things really start to unravel for the Forty ers because of the of uh, 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 with Johnson in the ball game, fumbled, lost the snap on that. And then that turned into an Eagles touchdown right before the half, and so I think it, by the, at that point it was getting out of hand Church. Even before it got to it. Yeah, uh, that was unfortunate because I really liked that Forty ers team, and then uh, you know Brock Purdy. It sounds like he might have to have surgery on that yeah. elbow. It was a UCL issue, which typically you don't hear that a lot with quarterbacks. No, that's Tommy John. Yeah. That's baseball. Uh, and and I, if I'm understanding right, and I could be wrong, I'm not a doctor and don't play one on, even play one on radio, uh, I think the recovery time for quarterbacks from that procedure is much faster than it would be for pitchers. That makes sense. Just because of the mechanics of the elbow yeah. and, and what you're doing with it. 
Um, yeah, just, just, it's just unfortunate. And, you know, once pretty much once Josh Johnson came in the game and had to play significant snaps, you felt like it was done. And then he gets knocked out and and put into the protocol. So Brock Purdy comes back in, but he, all he can really do is hand off. He did one screen, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then, and they even had McCaffrey take a snap, I guess, at quarterback and try to do some, as they say, Harry high school thing with the, the play thing. And that didn't. Did not you know what that game reminded me of, Craig? We've seen this over the years. It, it's kind of like one of those when somebody's hosting a regional in the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament and you're in the winner's bracket and you get to that Sunday night game and the other team has just basically used up all their pitchers. So yes. they might have like the freshman who's thrown three innings all year. Right. He's, he's the only available option. You just described like the Sunday game against Air Force. The, the one the against Fairfield, too. Yeah, Fairfield also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, Anyway, so that's yeah. So that was happened there. So the Eagles in the Super Bowl, uh, first time in five years for them, and uh, then the AFC Championship game kind of lived up to the billing. Now it had it had uh, plenty of conversation surrounding plays, penalties that were called, and obviously uh, two things that happened at the end of the game uh, that. I understand uh, the the folks pointing to, and certainly the media pointing to, Joseph Osai's uh, shove out of bounds of Patrick Mahomes attacked on the 15 yards. Uh, and if you look at all the replays, he's out of bounds when he hits him. He just is. And it's and it's uh, a dreadfully un, uh, unfortunate thing for, for Joseph. Um, but... I think if you're going to mention that, you have to mention the fact that the, the Bengals gave up the long punt return to begin with. There's that. Yeah. If if they cover it properly, Kansas City may try may try to get it downfield, but they may decide just to take it overtime. You don't know, uh, or maybe they get try to take it downfield and get it broken up, a couple of passes broken up, and then get it to overtime. I don't know. So while the Osai penalty is huge because it tacked on the final 15 yards needed for Butker's game-winning field goal, the punt return, which was twice the yardage of that, put him in position to where they could, you know, on third down and four, Mahomes is scrambling out and goes to the right and has the first down before the shove out of bounds. I, you know, I feel for Joseph Osai. We talked mm-hmm. about this a lot, especially that 19 season and even, even in 2020, you know, the times when the defense would struggle, you get that wholesale response of, oh, they're not even trying. They're not putting any effort. No. Go back and watch some of those games, even when the defense gave up a lot of yards, gave up a lot of points. And 46 is fighting his tail off. Absolutely. And, and giving you max effort. And, the game, but the play before it. Yeah. And he did that for the Bengals this year. And it's just one of those deals, man. It's, it, it sucks. But it's just one of those things that that just happens. Yeah, yeah. Feel bad for him. You could tell how visibly upset he was about it. And uh, fortunately, the post game was rough too. But I'll yeah. credit him with this in the post game. You know, BJ Hall sat sat there beside him and kind of kind of you know kind of like, hey, I'm gonna support my teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have stuff like that, when it comes to facing the media, because you're gonna have to answer questions about it, I've always felt like. Man, that's better if you just do it right now. Just mm-hmm. rip the Band-Aid off, mm-hmm. address it right now, and then everybody can move on after that. And he did. And, and they're going to give you some credit for it, too, yeah. for, for being, you know, for, for standing up and doing that. 100%. I, I give him a lot of credit for that. And yeah. just do it right then and then now. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be asked about it in the future, but, you know, he, he answered it in the, the heat of the moment and then handled himself well. Uh, you know, you could tell he was shaken up, but, uh, man, that's just – you just as a as his teammate, you just gotta be help him understand. And he said Zach Taylor told him that. He said, Hey, that one play did not cost us the game. And Zach Taylor said it on the interview yeah. uh, with Evan Washburn there with CBS afterwards. So they all had his back on that. Uh okay. All right. Uh coming up, we're gonna uh, visit with John Morris, play by play voice of the Baylor Bears. We'll talk about tonight's matchup between Texas and Baylor. And we'll continue to light the tower. On the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Webb and Jeff Howe.
This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you. Cameron Parker, our producer alongside. Glad to have you with us. With you up until the noon hour. And then it'll be Chad and Zay. And uh, coming up a little in a little bit, we'll have uh, Inconceivable. Uh, we've got that. And then uh, additionally, uh, we'll have uh, a Longhorn Notebook next hour as well and a Flex 30 update. But uh, let's get to this hour's Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. This is a Longhorn Notebook that is uh, brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert and your Longhorn lender. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. That's B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, just like it sounds. Bowersockteam.com. See if Aaron can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to get that home loan approval turned around in a snap. She's the person who can make that 10-day home loan approval or less guaranteed for you. Bowersockteam.com. All right, so it's Texas and Baylor tonight, and uh, big Monday matchup. Uh, the Bears are 16-5. and five. They're 5-3 and three in the Big 12. They're one game back of uh, that three-way tie of first place. In fact, uh, it's a three-way tie for second as well there in the uh, Big 12 Conference. And uh, Texas, Iowa State, and K-State at 6-2, and two, and Baylor uh, at 5-3. Uh, and three. and uh, in that 5-3 and three, uh, deadlock there with TCU and Kansas. And joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, our good friend, longtime play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears, who joins us. John Morris. Jamo, thanks for the time. How are you this morning? Craig, good morning. Jeff, good morning. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, if you can hold the ice off for just a day or so, we would be really appreciative of that. I, I was a little bit concerned, a little bit concerned for you. And, and are you getting a little more of it up there? Because I have a brother who lives in the Metroplex, and they were getting it yesterday. And right now it's not bad. It's like right at the freeze line and just a little bit of spitting. Nothing at, at, at the moment yeah. in terms of precip. What about in the Super Syntax? Here's your live weather report from Waco. It is it is cold and the wind is blowing. Wind chills about 19, and uh, but no precip so far. So that's a good thing. So as of right now, we're okay. But apparently, it's coming, and I don't know when it's coming. So we'll just uh, be ready to head south, uh, get up to the snow dogs, and ready to go whenever we need to. Well, we know what's coming right now, also. John, and that's Scott Drew's ball club. Six in a row now and a, getting the win over a good Arkansas team in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, in the case of that, since it was in Waco, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, yeah. What's been the biggest difference in the turnaround after the 0-3 start to conference play to now six straight wins? It's a very fair question because first three were, were uh, you know, against three really good teams, Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU. Two of those are at home. That was the big thing is losing, you know, two uh, home games early in conference. But really, you know, in a nutshell, the difference is defense. The defense has been much better, uh, still not where it needs to be, but much better uh, in the five-game, now six-game winning streak compared to the 0-3 start to conference play. Um, They just, you know, just we couldn't stop TCU. I remember that game, and you know how fast they are anyway. But they, in transition, were just killing us, and we couldn't stop that. So they've done a lot of work in that area, been much better there. Another thing is we've gotten everybody back. You know, Adam Flagler missed a couple of games. L.J. Cryer missed a couple of games. Um, but we've gotten everybody back, and so that's kind of keyed the turnaround. It's been really good, and uh, 0-3 is a tough start to league play. But, you know, everybody, I think, this year is going to have a three or four or more game losing streak in this league. John, you hit on something that that stood out to me the handful of times I've watched Baylor this year. One is the difference a healthy L.J. Cryer makes for this team. But Keontae right. George, he's a guy that Texas fans I know are familiar with because Texas recruited him. Uh, you know, he he had some, I don't want to say struggles, but had some big moments kind of early in conference play where he didn't come through. But uh, one of the nation's leading scorers among freshmen. And, John, it just seems like every time I watch Baylor, he just keeps getting better and better. He had 24 on Saturday, Jeff, against, uh, against Arkansas. And he, he is really good. He did have a couple of games where he was down scoring. I mean, down for him was 11 points and then eight points in a couple of games back-to-back. But I think that is just – he's a marked man now. You know, no, he's not sneaking up on anybody, and he's probably top of the uh, scouting report when you face Baylor. So that is going to happen, you know, for a young guy especially. 
But he bounced back really nicely on Saturday, 24. He's got such a sweet shot, a quick release, and he's been a key. I mean, he is our leading scorer, even with a guy like Adam Flagler on this team. He's our second leading scorer, but Keontae George has uh, led the way in that area. John, I was going to ask you also about rebounding. I mean, you had a guy like uh, uh, Jonathan Chamachachwa who did such a great job on the glass last year, and I know it had to be uh, an an adjustment, and and we just got through talking about Keontae George, and he averages four and a half boards per game, but you've had some other guys like Jalen Bridges and some of those other guys step up in the rebounding area, which seems to have made a difference. Very much so, and and that, I should have said, is part of the turnaround also. You know, just being better rebounding. Baylor's, uh, you know, historically been a really good rebounding, especially an offensive rebounding team, and they've really come around in that area. You mentioned Jalen Bridges. He's been key, West Virginia transfer. And that guy is just – I think he's just more and more comfortable every game now, and he's a real contributor both ends of the floor, scoring and rebounding. But uh, Jonathan Chumwichachua, you know, it was the Texas game here last year when he got hurt and, um, you know, blew out his knee. But his rehab is is coming along very well, really faster than most people thought it would. And uh, he, he, it is fun to watch how hard he works because, man, he is determined to get back on the floor. John, I'll, I'll, fi- I'll file uh, Flo Thamba and Dale Bonner into the group of Big 12 guys that I'm not sure how they still have eligibility left, but here they are. Uh, here they are on the roster. John O'Connor with Brock Cunningham, exactly. who has one more year, by the yeah. way, if he wants it. Uh, oh, my gosh. But, John, where, where, where is this Baylor team at just in terms of uh, of just overall depth? I know the injuries piled up last year, and, and depth was an issue uh, when that team got into the Big 12 and, and the NCAA tournament. Where is the depth and, and the bench presence for this team right now? Yeah, Jeff, it was a huge issue last year. You know, we we basically, you know how many guards we have, and we ran out of guards last year uh, just because of injuries, and it was so tough to go through. But Coach Drew was going to make sure that didn't happen again, so he really loaded up. Uh, I think good depth to the point that Dale Bonner, who you mentioned, is getting very limited minutes now, but just because they've, they've shrunk the uh, rotation – to the point where he's sort of the eighth guy and he doesn't get that many minutes anymore, but he's available and he's a veteran guy off the bench if you need him. So I think depth is a real plus for this team, uh, especially at the guard position where, you know, you can start with Keontae and Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer, but when they need a break, you know, here comes a Bonner, here comes a Langston Love off the bench. So uh, really good depth there uh, throughout the team, but especially at the guard spot. Visiting with John Morris, play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears here on Light the Tower on the Horn. Okay, so John, in uh, now with Scott Drew in his twentieth season, I, th- I think it would be safe to say that at least, at least in the first seventeen of now twenty seasons, if not eighteen, the one thing you could count on uh, from Baylor as much as anything else was seeing a really difficult to beat two-three zone or a one-three-one. Now last year. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, Coach Drew went to a, a lot more man and and had that. And I think even, you know, in the uh, national championship season, maybe a, a little bit of that. But he's the, it's kind of been a, a hallmark and a trademark with, with how well Baylor has played at zone. Has, has he added more of that back in or is or has he gone even more man now than he's been doing? Yeah, no, it has been – it just kind of morphs with – the team, you know, and what he thinks works best with the team. So he's not married to a zone defense for sure, and he's not married to a man defense. Uh, in fact, tonight you'll see uh, predominantly a man defense, but then you'll see some zone uh, mixed in as well. And that's what we had Saturday against Arkansas. It's just sort of a change up now, Craig, you know, to go to a zone. So you'll see some of that, but predominantly it'll be a man defense. And uh, I, I think it's just a feel, you know, on his part of, you know, what he feels like the team needs at that point or that particular opponent, you know, or that spot in the game. And uh, But you'll see both. I mean, you'll see a little bit of both tonight. John, I'm thinking about my days slumming it in the Farrell Center covering Baylor. In those early days when you had, you know, we talk about depth, but you had – Guys coming in from the football team midseason, and you know, guys winning student tryouts. I mean, you had he had Scott had to play zone back in those days. Didn't have much of a choice early on. Hey, is Rico Gathers walking back through that door? You know, I'm just wondering, <laughs> you know, wondering about that's that. That's the guy. We, 
when you talk about you know guys you think about who have been here forever, Rico's the one that always gets mentioned because he played from day one and and played very well and played a lot. So everybody thought he was like an eighth year guy. But uh, Rico's gone now. Rico won't be playing tonight. <laughs> he may be at the game, but uh, he does not have any eligibility left. But you're right, Jeff. I mean that was part of it. You know, you play a zone to kind of protect yourself, and if you have guys that. You know, you got to protect defensively. Uh, that's what he did. So uh, maybe that's a sign of uh, the maturity or the veteran guys that are on this team that there is more man. John, we've uh, the, the the Big Twelve race hits the halfway point for these two teams tonight, and uh, both of us have seen. Uh, you know, we'll have seen everybody in in the conference uh, after this evening's contest. We've been saying on the air, Eddie Warren and I have said it, Jeff and I have said it on this program, that this seems to be the most balanced, the biggest grind uh, in conference play that I can remember. And and both of us have been doing this for a while on our respective radio networks. We're, we're, how do you feel about what you see from the rest of the league in terms of the balance or the grind that uh, the Bears, just like the Longhorns or anybody else, has to go through on a game-in, game-out basis? Sure. You know, I, I, I don't think it's recency bias, you know, just the fact that we're going through it right now. But I agree with you completely that this seems like it's the toughest league that we've ever gone through, top to bottom, you know, 1 to 10. I mean, if Tech is 0-8 in Big 12 play, and they go beat LSU, you know, on the road in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. I mean, that says something about our league and the league going 7-3 and three against the SEC. That says a lot also. Um, but I think it is the toughest. And, and uh, you know, te- if, if Tech is the worst team, and I only say that because they are uh, statistically right now, you know, sitting at 0-8, you know, they're a pretty good team. They're going to beat somebody. They're not going to go over for the league. So, uh, every night it's tough. West Virginia is right there, and they're very capable. So really good coaches, really good teams, a lot of veteran teams, you know, and that's a plus. Uh, I just think makes all that makes this the toughest league we've ever seen here in the Big 12. Hey, give us an update on the new arena. When I drive north on I-35 yeah. and, and I'm crossing the Brazos, I look over there to the left. For folks who don't know, that's where the, the new basketball arena is going up. What's the progress on it? I think everything is on schedule every time I check, and I check a lot, you know, it's yeah. on schedule. Uh, we're going to move in there in less than a year from now. We're going to move in January of 2024, and you look now at, at a steel structure and say, how is that possible in a year? But I think there's some pretty serious penalties in place if they don't have it finished by then because they're going to make the schedule next year where we start the year in the Farrell Center, play non-conference there, And the start of league play next year, so January or maybe even December 31st, uh, we'll move into the new Foster Pavilion. So it looks great. It's going to be different. Um, You know, it may be uh, similar to UT. It's going to be smaller than we have now with the Farrell Center and a more, uh, we hope, a more home court advantage for Baylor. Students are going to be right along courtside, uh, a lot like uh, Cameron Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke. So, it's going to be great. It's going to be good for us. Now, parking's another issue. Don't ask me about parking because I don't have any answers there uh, for us or you or for anybody right now. But we'll figure that out in the next 11 months, and it's going to be a really, really nice new place. John, uh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up, but uh, this is Scott's 20th season at Baylor, and we're coming up on the 20-year mark from from when he was hired. Uh, and, and I know it's uh, the rebuild gets talked about, but for, for this fan base, for the alumni – do you always keep in the back of your mind how far this program has come in two decades, or is that just so far removed from everything that it's out of sight, out of mind? Well, it, it never is out of mind for me because I, I remember where we were before Coach Drew. Uh, I remember an 0-16 Big 12 uh, season under a previous coach, you know, and, and I remember Pat and I going into every game and kind of looking at each other like, we don't have a chance to win this game, you know, and that that's where the program was. And then there was some, you know, off the court things that were really embarrassing to our school. And then coach drew comes in and from day one sets his sights on winning championships, talked at his opening press conference about winning a national championship. And everybody says, yeah, 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 yeah. We're with you coach. Let's do that. But he believed it and he went to work and he made it happen. 
And, uh, you know, they'll be uh, coach of the year, somebody in the Big 12 this year, but I think Scott Drew is the coach of the century, you know, with what he did here and where we were and the consistent winner that he has built here at Baylor and done it with, you know, done it with such integrity and, you know, the platform that he uses, the culture of joy here, you know, Jesus first, others second, yourself third, you know, the platform that he uses and he's built with this program is just amazing. So, you know, Coach Drew to me is one in a million, and uh, he's going into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame coming up in April, which I think is very, very deserving. And anything good that comes his way, I think, is deserving for Coach Drew. It's been called uh, perhaps the greatest rebuilding uh, 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 yeah. process and project in college basketball history, certainly, uh, for that as well. It's tonight at 8 o'clock. Hey, John, uh, drive Sarah, safe down there. Are you, are you, does When you drive down, do you and Pat go, or do you put do you put Bob Baker behind the wheel? To do, how, do, how do you handle the drive down? Yeah, Pat and I are coming down. Jerry Hill may come with us. Uh, Jerry's a little scared of the weather, so I'm not sure if he'll, he'll make it or not. But Pat and I will be there, and uh, we'll just leave as early as we need to to be there. And uh, I look forward to seeing the Moody Center tonight. I'm really looking forward to being in there for the first time. Yeah, I think you'll I think you'll uh, be impressed with it. Hey, uh, J-Mo, I appreciate it. Uh, take care of driving down. We'll see you when you get here. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's John Thanks, Morse. Sir. Play-by-play voice of the Baylor's. He mentioned the great Jerry Hill. Yes. Jerry Hill, who at BaylorBears.com. Filed, filed Jerry in the Department of Good Dude. Filed Jerry in the Department of uh, collegian, Collegiate uh, Acquaintance of Craig Way. Yes. We were in college okay. together at North Texas. I was the sports director at KNTU when he was the sports editor of the North Texas Daily when we were in college together. I, I, I just I had to ask John about the the rebuild, Craig, because like I said, I, I was covering Baylor at the time, and I you know Scott's first mm-hmm. year was rough. You're coming off the the Patrick Denny situation, yep. but year two, year two was one where that's the year I was referencing where you had a couple of guys just join the team mid season, a couple of guys on the football team join. You've had just kind of random students coming in just to, for walk-ons, just to have practice to where you could run 505 and practice. Yeah. Uh, j- j- just taking obscure JUCO guys just to fill out a roster. Yeah. Uh, that was one of those deals. Mamadou Gian, who ended up being a really good player, uh, he didn't come over until the spring semester because he got malaria. Like, that. It's kind of issues. Those kinds of things happened. Yeah, it's kind of issues Scott Drew was dealing with early on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ultimately build them into a national power and won a national title uh, a couple of years ago. And and they're still going to be difficult to deal with uh, for the Longhorns and for the rest of the Big 12 as well. And again, coming up in a few minutes, well, I guess we'll have the updated uh, AP Top 25 poll. That'll be coming out as well. Coming up next, we have Inconceivable. We continue to light the tower on the Horn, 1049-1019-AN1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Inconceivable! Inconceivable! You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Wow, does it mean several different things right now with Inconceivable here on a Monday? And you would probably think that because, you know, we're coming off the weekend and stuff happens over the weekend. Like, not a good move for Stetson Bennett. You see this, Jeff? Yeah. Um... Here's a guy who's been on top of the world, right? Back-to-back national championships. There's thoughts that maybe he might get a, a shot from one of these senior-oriented football all-star games or look in the combine. And he may yet, or at least in terms of the combine, but won't be involved in the uh, senior bowl. He was arrested yesterday morning in Dallas on a charge of public intoxication after they responded to reports of a man not specified as Bennett, banging on doors. It's like, bam, 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 bam. Police news release said officers were, quote, determined he was intoxicated. Uh, they determined that he was intoxicated and arrested. Probably wouldn't have taken long to determine that. No. They took him to a city detention center. Uh, it was unclear at, at, for a while when he was going to be released. And, of course, uh, tough deal for him. Uh, but, you know, they all say... If you drink, don't drive. You know, that kind of He wasn't even driving. Show of hands, uh, anybody in here uh, terrorized an apartment complex while inebriated in your younger days? Uh, so, not oh, me. So, not me. Only one of us has their hand up. Okay. Yeah, 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 right. 
Hey, uh, all at once. Yeah. Uh, it's been determined on this program that our producer, Cameron Parker, is a fan of McDonald's. Where do you stand with Burger King? Mm, on the list. Two but, words, uh, two words, Cam. Chicken Whopper. You know, his long harangue is that he's not going to return to Burger King until they return the Chicken Whopper. So that's, you know, and they've done all this other stuff with chicken sandwiches. Now they got this new thing, and they got a, an Italian one. They've got one that they call uh, like a Mexican chicken sandwich that has like queso and crispy yeah. uh, jalapenos on it. If there was a Brahms closer than Hillsboro, I wouldn't have a big complaint about this. Okay. Because as I said, the Brahms chicken sandwich is on par. Well, um, leave it to TikTok to uncover some uh, unpleasant doings by fast food joints. Because there's lots of people have their camera on, then they go TikTok when things don't go don't go well. Yeah. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Peter Sark. Would that fall into uh, Rod's uh, shady name? That does sound thing? shady. Peter yeah. I'll answer Sark. for Rod, yes. Okay. Uh, according to his bio, this is a guy who is a, this might even really validate more, he's a content creator. He's listed. Influencer. And a gamer. And a gamer. And he has a video that right now has more than 102,000 views since he put it there on uh, on TikTok. And what it was, it's a caption that says false advertising. And he pulls up to a Burger King, and it was in Los Angeles, and there's a sign on the sign at Burger King, on the drive-thru, you know, thing that says, two meals for $6.99 each. So okay. he goes, I'm like, can I have that? Tells that. And he says, she's like, we don't have that. He's like, it's on your sign. So she comes out, looks at the sign, sees that it says two meals for six ninety nine. She goes, oh, that's not there anymore. It's not in our system. No, it's right there. No, no, no. I mean, it's not available anymore. It's not in our system. So <laughs> it's still on the deal, but uh, apparently not available anymore. Um Hey, here's good news for both you fellas. I'll say this to that. It's starting to become a big issue in gyms, like people recording, people doing allegedly doing shit. There's going to be places where we get phones banned because people just acting a fool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess it'll be like if you have your phone out at like the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, they'll be like, no, you can scan your app and that's it. Don't hold your phone up. Yeah. Keep your phone out of sight. Um, here's some good news for you. Where we're headed, man. Where, where where do you plan on watching the Super Bowl? Probably in my house. Okay. Cam? Probably a friend's house. The AD okay. consultation setup I've got pays dividends. There you Super go. Super Bowl time. Now, I know that we'll get into more Super Bowl menu and food consumption stuff as we draw closer to the game. We, we do that. However, we, we I think all three of us know what is the most consumed item for Super Bowl. Wings. Bing, 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 bing. Right. You're exactly right. And here's your good news. Um, other than, you know, the game itself and Rihanna headlining the halftime show. All right. It's likely to cost you less than it, than it did a year ago to serve wings and guacamole. You like guacamole? No, not really. Really? Guac with wings? Well, just no, no, no. If you have it like it's a dish, uh, just okay. in general, just, just making sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, overall, food inflation price is up twelve percent over last year, but a pound of chicken wings is down twenty-two percent. Because there was a chicken wing shortage at this time last year. Yeah, there was, uh, and it says because of more supply, mm-hmm. so the price has gone down. Wasn't there an issue in Mexico with the cartels and That's the avocados? Right. That's right. Last year was three thirty-eight a pound. Now it's two sixty-five a pound. So let's all rejoice, right? So you got that. We can go to Pluckers and have some wings and do that as well. Um, I've got another story here, and this this takes place. You know what's an underrated Super Bowl snack though? What's that? Just throw, I'll throw the hat in the ring for the pig in a blanket. Oh yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good stuff. Um, in West Virginia, they're celebrating. The return. Sobriety? 
No, they're celebrating the return of the Wiener Man statue. Oh. Okay. Is this to honor you from your days working at the Wiener Hut or whatever uh, uh, it was? Wiener King. Wiener King. Yeah, Wiener King. You were were king of the Wieners. No, this one was stolen from a place called Dairy Winkle. Dairy Winkle. Dairy Winkle in Charleston, West Virginia. And it was this statue of this smiling little wiener, a hot dog, (laughs) holding uh, ketchup and mustard. Uh, and there was Wiener a fire. Man. Yeah, there was a fire about three and weeks a, ago. Yellow cape. And that someone broke into the building and stole the statue of Wiener Man. So they got it back. Um, it was safely returned. About there was a tip about it, uh, and so it was returned to Dairy Winkle. So the Wiener Man statue uh, is back. Y'all and didn't it, have a statue of Wiener King. No, or, it, was or just a a, it was just a big hot dog with a. It, it, it had a, it had a crown on top of it. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, but that's that's all it was there. And finally, uh, I wasn't here Friday, so I didn't get to participate in Florida Man stuff. But I do have a Florida story. Okay. My brother sent this to me. Uh, if you're going to Miami, okay, and you're planning to swim near 53rd Street in Miami Beach, right down there, Miami Beach, Florida health officials are saying, yeah, I might not want to do that. Raw sewage. Go elsewhere because, and this is their words, there's too much feces in the water. Ah, oh, doo-doo water. I knew I, you would say I that. I enjoy a good doo-doo water story. I, I know you like your doo-doo water stories. <laughs> uh, two consecutive water samples collected last Monday and Tuesday at 5301 Collins Avenue did not meet the recommended state requirements. See, now that kind of has me worried. What are the recommended? Is it like one floaty in there? <laughs> is it two floaties? I mean, what's the deal with we're that? We're talking just shy of full-on number three. Yeah. Like, what are we dealing with here? Uh, it's, a, you know, the impacted area sits behind several condos, including La Costa, the Amethyst, and Imperial House, as well as Fire Rescue Station Number 3 and the Alexander Hotel. The poor water quality due to high levels of the enterococci bacteria, an indicator of the presence of fecal material in the water. It may come from stormwater runoff, wildlife, pets, and yes, human sewage. So uh, the results Lovely. of the sample indicates that the water contact may impose an increased risk of illness, particularly for susceptible individuals. If you're going to Miami Beach, if you're around 53rd, to bar Jeff's phrase, don't jump in the doo-doo water. Is that... Uh... This is the third Naked Gun movie where Leslie Nielsen is a great Frank Drebin said, like he was, had, had a little code word. He's like, I've been swimming in raw sewage. I love it. <laughs> and as Mike would ask, I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> great. Love that. Love the Frank Drebin uh, reference there. Uh, all right. <laughs> so we end with some. Florida doo-doo water. Doo-doo for you. water. Doo-doo yeah. water from Florida means it's extra special doo-doo water. And that it is. Uh, all right. We'll be back with hour number two coming up here on Life the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital right here on the Horn app at hornfm.com. 